Hey everyone, Matt and Tyler here. We originally recorded this episode over the weekend, but it's Monday now, and we're just getting word of the tragic concert shooting that happened in Las Vegas last night. As of now, it appears at least 50 people are dead and up to 400 or 500 are injured. Um, We are absolutely heartbroken by this. We just wanted to cut in and say that our thoughts and condolences are with those affected and their families, and we're going to take a moment of silence before the show starts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Note to Scene, a music news podcast covering everything from pop punk to metalcore. I'm Matt Crane. I'm Tyler Sharp. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where every week we discuss and debate all the biggest news stories in the music scene. Find more episodes of this podcast on iTunes, where you should please rate and review us. Email us at notetoscene at gmail.com. We have a lot to talk about this week. Big news from Asking Alexandria, Gerard Way, and Panic at the Disco. But first, we're going to talk about Black Veil Brides, their new music, and how to deal with this band. All right, let's go. Before we get going this week, just wanted to say our best wishes to uh, Marilyn Manson, who was involved in a terrible-looking stage accident tonight. He was carried out on a stretcher from the venue. What happened was it looked like he was trying to climb a stage prop, which was like a giant crucifix gun thing, and um, the thing just fell on him. And it looked huge, and it looked heavy. Um, did you see the video of this, Tyler Sharp? Yeah, I did, man. It was crazy. Like, he went down. Do you know how old Manson is, by chance? He's he's in his 40s, I think. Okay, that's um, what I was I thinking. Say, I want to say late 40s, but he really, like you said, he went down. And, um, you know, the crowd was cheering, like, you know, like, yeah, Manson. Like, they were, you know, clapping and, like, woo. And, like, he's going to get up and be tough. But, like, dude didn't get up. He didn't move. On his own on stage. Right, yeah, like he was down for the count. I think it was difficult to see, like the lighting was super low, so a lot of people didn't know what was going on. But I think people thought he was going to get up, and uh, the dude, I mean, there was a five minutes of people cheering, and he didn't move. Yeah. And uh, they, from what I read in uh, early reports, they treated him on stage before they moved him. Before they moved, yeah. That's not a good sign, so, you know. Our thoughts are uh, with the House of Manson tonight, for sure. I mean, Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Early reports have, oh, also, early reports have uh, Sleeping with Sirens gossip coming in at 13,000 first week, Tyler. Oh, my God. I wanted to throw that one out there. <laughs> Which, rightfully so, right? I mean, go listen to our last episode. It's just, you can't make bad music and expect fans to show out for it no matter what. They fucked up. Yeah. It's a Man. bad album. We way overestimated. We, we were so, I said twenty. Yeah, I said like I don't even I don't I don't even want to say what I said. All right. Um, so <laughs> we have some listener questions that came into note to scene at gmail.com this week. Uh, our first question comes in from listener Emily C. Emily says, "I was wondering if either of you have listened to the new Being Is an Ocean record that dropped. The album marks a big change in direction for Being, and a lot of fans are pretty excited about the future of the band." Would love to hear your thoughts. So, uh, Tyler Sharp can attest to this, and any long listeners of the show can probably attest to this. I fucking have never given a shit about this band, (laughs) and I've been counting down the days until I could just forget about them. Like, how many times have they been brought up, and I'm just like, ah, God, we gotta keep pretending like being as an ocean is the thing. Like, you've heard me do it, right, Tyler? Many, many times. So, I am the dude who is just like, I'm I'm waiting. I'm like, when are they gonna be done? So, I don't have to talk about them anymore. That said, holy shit, um, I listened to this song, uh, Black. I didn't listen to the whole album, I'll admit that. I listened to Black and Blue, though, and I was really fucking digging like this vibey electro thing they got going on. Um, um, I might have copped that one on Spotify. Like, <laughs> I might have I I hit that check mark. Like That's a first for uh, Being as an Ocean for me. Yeah, I really... Uh, I really dug the song. Um, I dug it's like a, like a post hardcore lord taking cues from like Bring Me in Paris. It's like a totally different sound for them now, and um, I'm kind of all about it. This is a big big surprise to me. 
I could like uh, like I could kick it to this record. You know what I mean? It's like vibey and um, right up my alley, kind of. Uh, so much better than that like Tumblr core meaningful HXC stuff they were doing. I just couldn't <laughs> stand it. Um, I also listened to the song Thorns, and I was just kind of blown away by it. Like it was just they're making really interesting music now. Like it was something I hadn't heard before. This like thumping electronic horn chorus. So um, thanks to Emily, our listener, I'm going to definitely be diving into this record. And that's not something I thought I would be doing in 2017. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked on Being as an Ocean right now. How about you, T-Sharp? Dude, that's so funny. Being as an Ocean won over a fan in 2017. Oh, yeah. um, after all this time, because they've obviously peaked. I, I, I do appreciate the attempt at something different, a different, you know, a shift in Sonics. And I think they do it really well instrumentally and musically but it's the vocals it's the aggressive vocals that just ruin it like if if they could take out joel's screams and yells that just feel so they just feel so tired and like you know i had this i had the same thought which is why like on black and blue i love like that chorus exactly. so much because yeah. he goes into the cleans and i'm like let's just do all this Right. The the world just doesn't need like an edgier uh yeah. Sigur Ross, you know, like that's what being as an ocean are on this album. They're just an edgier version of that band. And I'd love to hear these instrumentals with only clean vocals. It bummed me out. It always bums me out to see a band get in a dispute with their label. I don't know all the specifics of what happened with them in Equal Vision, but it's why this album flopped so hard and did 1200 first week and nobody's talking about it. So, uh I wish this band all the best. I'd love to see yeah. them just drop the screams, and I'd probably really like this album. Yeah, I mean, I still they still have two hundred thousand followers on Spotify, which is you know nothing to sneeze at. Like it seems like their base is still there. Um, yeah, I just to me like I always hated the just like uh, aesthetic shouted. Uh, yeah, the aesthetic of the band and the sh- the shouted overly pronounced scream sort I mean, of thing they did. I, I was just so over, and some of their bands copped it, you know, and I was just like. I, so I pretty much hated everything this band did up until now. So yeah, that's kind of the angle I'm coming from here. Man, that spoken word melodic hardcore yeah. shit was <laughs> so <laughs> huge. In like it was everywhere. At AP, we called it Tumblr core because it was always yeah. backed by some fucking nature image or floral image, and we were we were just getting so sick of it. Yeah, um, good so. to see this band evolve. I just wish it was they they dropped some more stuff and refined it a little bit. Yeah, they're making progress, though. Okay, um, next question uh, comes in from David M., who writes into note to scene at gmail.com. He's, David says, with bands like The Front Bottoms and Basement signing to Fueled by Ramen and Tiger's Jaw technically going to a major, major label, do you see any crossover success from within the, the greater emo revival scene? He puts quotes around that. Any other bands emerging from it that are exciting to you? Uh, T-Sharp, you want to take this one away? So Tiger's Jaw, he brought up Tiger's Jaw in the question. They could have had a moment with this last album because, like you said, they're technically on a label. Um, they needed to go full pop, and they didn't. They made a Pitchfork album, a Stereo Gum album, and, and it just it blew in first week sales. It has no momentum except for that little niche that they're inside of, and I, I just... They they blew it. There could have been something there, but it remains to be seen. Um, I was expecting more from the Front Bottoms when they signed to Fueled by Ramen, and I should have prefaced that. I'm a huge Front Bottoms fan, still am, have been since the second full length. I didn't catch them on their first, but that second album is fantastic, and I recommend it to anyone who's a fan of indie, emo, whatever you want to call it. There's some great folk moments on there, too. But, uh... You know, they landed the Coachella slot. I was hoping there was going to be some more doors opening, but they're doing a campaign for a new album right now, and it's just like falling flat. Nobody's talking about it. So I'm a little disappointed with that. I'm still a Front Bottoms fan, but it just doesn't look like they're going to gain any more momentum. Um, I'll let Matt talk about this band, but he put a band called Now Now on my radar a few weeks ago when they kind of gave uh, a single they dropped earlier this year, a second push called... um, SGL and it's you better ab- let me talk about this. Man. It I'm gonna let you take it, but I will just say it's an absolute. You gonna let me finish? I'm gonna let you finish, but it is an absolute <laughs> banger, man. Love that song. It'll probably be in my top ten of the uh, favorite songs of the year. I was very excited about Turnover after 
their Peripheral Vision album. Still love that album. I think it's fantastic. Like, it's a solid, it's it's almost, you know, it's right around a 9 out of 10 for me. But their new album fell flat. And the only mm-hmm. reason the first week did so well was because of the Peripheral Vision hype. So, that unfortunately, they didn't deliver when they needed to on this newest album. Uh, another band I'll just finish up with, I enjoy a lot of Citizen songs, and I absolutely love Youth. Um, two out of their three new singles from their new album are great, but their moment just passed. After, Yo, dude, uh, I gotta tell you, Citizen are canceled. Uh, Citizen are canceled. It's done. It's, it's been over since the album After Youth. I can't even remember what it's called, but it was pretty freaking bad, and they lost all their hype. So it's good to see them still making music, but unfortunately, it just doesn't matter. All right, Matt, I'm passing you the mic, and I know exactly where you're going to go with it, so just go for oh, it. I'm, you know, well, my, my main point to answer David's question is no. There's no, nothing right, happening right. with this emo revival scene. It's dead on arrival. Like the front bottoms thing, it's kind of gone as bad as it could possibly go. Absolutely. Which is surprising. I really thought, like, I wasn't the biggest front bottoms fan, but I thought they were going to kind of pop them up and polish them up and make them sort of, you know, catchy in a way and, like, make them happen. And no, like, no, they're doing this, like, fucking, what is this, the Young Vines all over again? Like, I don't know what's going on it's with sad, that band man. right now. It's, it's terrible. Sad. The music is bad. It's not connecting under the radar tiger's jaw that's fucking over i mean it's over and even their niche is over like run for cover records it's over <laughs> that label is fucking done and the whole community surrounding run for cover is fucking done yep. they you know they signed i don't even know these fucking bands they signed they lost all their bands that mattered like modern baseball you know and that label that niche that that part of emo revival tiger's jaw it's done and um t-shirt brought up now now and now now is a band that like I think are capturing the spirit of emo revival, even though they're not necessarily an emo band, but like they're doing it in a really sort of classicist and smart way with pop music. And I think they just have a stellar vocalist named Casey. And um, they put out this song earlier this year called SGL, which like anybody who is, it stands for shotgun lover, which fuck yeah. Right. (laughs) Anybody who has heard this song is like, this is a song of the year contender. So I would recommend you go listen to now, now SGL. If you're looking for some true, emo revival stuff even though it's not technically emo revival it's emo revival executed the correct way the song is basically about um an affair except like you're the person who the person is cheating on their wife or their spouse with you're the side chick or dude and it's written from that perspective and it's like super fucking interesting and it's just a really fucking amazing song. So yeah, that's all I got to say about emo revival. It's fucking done, man. All right. Okay, so we have a problem. Our main story this week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have a problem, Tyler Sharp. This is a Black, big problem. Black Veil Brides announced their fifth album, Veil. Um, it's out January via Republic and Lava, and they released two singles, uh, My Vow and The Outsider. There's some stuff we got to talk about with BBB, but let's start with the songs first, Tyler Sharp. Um, what did you think of My Vow? My Vow is not a good song. <laughs> <laughs> with the overproduced Pantera riffs with a super like try-hard stadium chorus, I will admit that that concept and the way they executed it is actually better than that single that The Outsiders, which they dropped like last December when we thought we were getting this album campaign. There's a lot wrong with this new single that that kick drum sounds like it's just hitting a piece of wood and the 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 production is really refined to a point where it's just like sugar-coated and these Mm -hmm. riffs like you've heard that even if you've never listened to pantera you've heard that riff before and uh andy sounds like his just normal unnecessarily boastful like baritone self and We've heard this song a hundred different ways, a hundred different times before. And Black Veil have always, you know, they've, Black Veil is the definition of style over substance. I mean, just go listen to We Stitch These Wounds. That, that, it's a bad album. And the songs are just so underdeveloped and the production is terrible. And that's what got them big because they were just this, they were poster boys. And Andy was the poster boy for goth hot topicness of the turn 2010 and beyond so i'll tell you i will tell you how we fix this problem and we fix this problem by stop supporting bad music okay score the song 
because the riff and there are the pre-chorus has like this just slight moment where it's like this is somewhat redeemable i'm at like a five okay um i think this song is pretty terrible and pretty unlistenable good um i think uh the chorus is like okay in a way like it's not the worst chorus they've written i've seen bbb go way worse than that which is um so i kind of thought it was going to be headed towards a total just tornado meets hurricane train wreck and it didn't and that was kind of a relief but dude like you say andy sounds you know he's kind of doing andy but he sounds like his vocals are going to shit like i think i think he sounds worse here than he's always been kind of a hit or miss vocalist but i mean he just sounds so bad here. And like you said, with those those just cheesy metal riff rips they're doing, it's they almost sound like a parody of Black Veil Brides at this point. <laughs> like this song sounds like a parody of Black Veil Brides. And that is a, a strange thing to hear. And they, it's like it's like it is literally it's like a band making fun of it. Like they're making are they making fun of themselves? Am I missing something? Because this song is terrible. I give it a four out of ten, by the way. OK, um, so sidebar here i somehow guess i avoided the outsider like this whole time either i heard it way six months ago and forgot about it or i just heard it for the first time now so i'd like to get your thoughts on that song i think it's like uh to me it just sounded kind of interscope escape the fate ripoff like there's some good energy in the chorus and there's a grooving riff but again andy sounds like shit and it's just another failure of a bvb song and i give it 5.5 out of 10 Oh my gosh, man. So you think that song is better than this song? It, it is better, yeah. No, there's no way. That the song outsider, is so poorly put together, it's ridiculous, Dude, it's actually man. got, like, it's got, like, grooving riffs in it that, like, actually work to an extent. And, a cor- like, dude, you sack those two choruses next to each other, Outsider is better. I, they're bullshit. I'll just leave it at that. They are bullshit. Like, okay. I'm giving one a five <laughs> half out of ten, and I'm giving, the, you know, My Vow a four out of ten. Like, what a stupid fucking name for a song, My Vow. Oh, oh my, God. my God, man. All right, you can have fun it, comparing your shit piles, but... PvP uh, Army is coming at us, man. I mean, bring it on. Like, this is... Stop supporting bad music. That's, your band that's sucks. Just where like, it, you know, that's just where it's at. It's, like, this band has been like over it. since the in the end success. They just, like, these songs prove that they can't... They, they still can't write songs without Feldman. Even the album art, like the album art looks so campy and tacky to me and just shitty, but and not even not in like a set the world on fire way where it was kind of fun, you know, like they were super campy <laughs> then, but like it was kind of fun, right? In like a kiss way, you know, fallen angels and all that shit. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is kind of like neat and different and interesting, but now it just looks like super fucking campy and lame. And it's just it's beyond the point of parody at this point with this band. They're trying so hard to capture, like, an edge and put Black Veil Brides on the map and, like, you know, open for Five Finger Death Punch in a way that that people are like, oh, shit, these guys don't fuck around, man. Gotta be on high alert for this band. No. It, it, the cheese is oozing at every orifice, and uh, Black Veil Brides are gonna take a massive hit with this album. They delayed it way too long, and they can't deliver. It's over, man. Like the the downslope is is here for Blackville Brides, and they're about to kick it into overdrive because they can't write good music. You know, I have written in my notes just Feldman question mark, <laughs> and that's because like John Feldman produced this album supposedly, and every time really you put you put I think he did, yeah. And every time you put John Feldman's name on something, it's like you sort of get that little bit of hope that it can be okay. Well, good. that was that was kind of like my argument was like they can't. I didn't know that Feldman worked on the song, so I was just like, they they can't write music without Feldman anymore because he produced uh, Wretched and Divine, which was their big big album. You know, they had all the, all the success with In the End. I didn't know he was working on this album with them. I am looking it up right now. Okay, so got further confirmation that yeah, Feldman did produce this one, and uh, it just makes you think, like you know. Is he just kind of letting Andy do what the fuck ever now? Because we 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 have watched Feldman craft like the used and like drugs and like some fucking masterpiece albums, you know. And uh, it's like, where's his attention right now? Is you it, know? I almost if it's just like he's to the point where it's he just wants it to be fun 
at this point, and he's not really looking to craft bangers for himself, you know, for, or for other bands, and he's just in it to be like, yeah, I'd love to work on a Pantera ripoff, you know? Or, or like, uh, or shouts to make out, like, where his attention really is right now, and where the bangers are really coming from, right? <laughs> Absolutely, man. Lisa, go listen to that song. Absolutely. Also, shouts to Andy for winning best single at the APMAs. Remember that? Oh, woof. <laughs> woof. Andy Black. All right, so... The band are making bad music. Um, I think their music has progressively gotten worse as time has went on. Um, Would you kind of make that argument? Would you agree that they peaked within the end? I think yeah, that's the best Blackfield Bride song that's ever been released. I think it's probably you could take that and like Fallen Angels and like whatever the lead from We Stitch was, and that's like all you need from this band. There might be a couple deep cuts in there. You know, the, no, not knives and pens. The other one, um, uh, it was like a dark music video where they're all wearing black leather. Perfect weapon uh, or something like that. Yeah, per- whatever. Yeah, perfect yeah. weapon. You take five tracks from this band, and that's all you need. And you could toss um, the rest away. It's just hilarious like, to listen to these new songs, and then go listen to anything off We Stitch These Wounds, and the production is so bad on that album. Like it's not yeah. raw bad; I mean, it's just bad, bad. They were on like standby records. They though. were like, on standby. They, they didn't exactly have the resources, they, dude. They were know? sharing they, the hype with Modern Day Escape, man. But like they did good leading into it. They did good enough that a major label, Republic, bought them out and picked them up. You know, the hype um, was just there off that album because of the image, man. Like it. And that album, can't despite that yeah, the image, of course. I mean, it was all about the image. The reason this band got big was because of the knives and pens music video and yeah, just absolutely. Andy's image in that video. It was one of the first viral YouTube scene videos. Andy in that video, a million girls fell in love with him in the in that video, knives and pens, and um, they got signed. They put out Stitch. Okay, so Stitch did ten thousand first week. That's crazy. You know what I mean? From a band who went from nothing YouTube video band shouts to Chris Hollywood, wherever the hell you are, you know, <laughs> to, you know, sign to a little indie. They did 10K first week. That's as much as like, you know, that's not that far off from what like drugs did first week. And um, you think that's standby's biggest first week in history? It's got to be, man. It's got to be. Gotta it's got to so, be. So, I mean, Modern Day Escape ain't, like, holding down the fort <laughs> or anything, man. You know, like, come on. I mean, love my bros, but, you know, come on, man. Um, What's that song called? Total Jam. Oh, we we got to shout it out. Um, oh, my God. What is that song? Maybe Holding you? Hands wasn't such a good idea. Dude, you yeah. literally sent it to me this week. <laughs> love it. Modern Day Escape. There, there's something for you kids to look up. Okay, all right. So then after that, they signed a major label. They put out uh set the world on fire 22,000 copies first week big bump double that's a double yep um that album it felt like a success to me sure. i mean it had a lot of hype you know yep. cool music videos then they do wretched wretched and divine that does 41,000 copies first week boom double Just again in sales I mean, they're crushing all cylinders in the end is on radio Feldman is there, Ronnie Radke's out of prison, and he's back in Andy, which is really dope. <laughs> like, that was cool. Remember when Andy, remember Ronnie was like, Radke was like, oh, I forgot, I think he was talking to Mike Shea on the podcast, and he was like, uh, I was in prison, and people, you know, fans were sending me copies of AP, and I get a copy of AP, AP and I look, and I see Black Veil Brides, and I'm like, who the fuck is this band ripping <laughs> off my image? You know what I mean? And so when he got out of prison, he was like so stoked to meet Andy and back them, and it was just a good time for the band, you know, like 41,000 first week. Like, fuck with that. And they paid All tribute right. to the to the OGs. Didn't isn't Burt McCracken on that album? Better be. I'm pretty sure he is. I can't remember what song it is, but I'm pretty sure Burt is on that album. If anybody owes anything to OGs, it's Andy Beersack. Like he owes everything to Sonny Moore, <laughs> yeah. Burt McCracken, Gerard Way, Ronnie Radke. Like he owes. That's yep. like, you know what I mean? It should be on his tombstone. He owed. He you know? owed. Yep. Um, so then they put out self-titled which is the that does uh 29,000 first week. It's the first time we see the band decrease in sales. That album bombs. There's no good songs on it. It doesn't sell that well. Um I mean I don't think it's so terribly overall like it might have limped its way to 90,000 or something or 100,000, but that's the first time we really start to see Black Veil fall the fuck off. And it's worth pointing out Andy Black's solo album only did 18,000 first week. So where are we commercially with Black Veil at this point? Are they done? Are they finished? Are they going down? Absolutely. Is this music going to bring them back up? There's no fucking way, man. This is the end for them. 
you know, th- there's no way that these songs can carry them and and increase their fan base in any way, man. Like, there's there's no the, there's no way it receives the push to get in front of the crowd it would take to get them there. And it, even if it got in front of the crowd, I don't even think they would care that much because these songs are just bad. They're all over the place, and you just can't do. I know what they're trying to do, and and part of me wants to give them credit for trying to to make pantera riffs for a stadium you know but it it just doesn't work here and andy's just he just turned into the biggest cock star ever and you can just you can hear it in these songs and there's a reason why this album's delayed they can't write music man like there's a member of this band who literally can't play his own instrument <laughs> are you calling out ashley purdy i i think we're gonna go there i think we have to <laughs> it is it is a general general knowledge behind the scenes in the industry that ashley purdy cannot play bass and he often uh, actually does not play live just equalize that shit and throw him up there he's just a stage prop and he's not even particularly good looking which is the weird part (laughs) you know what i mean like he looks like a fucking michael jackson frankenstein horror creation like so much dude the amount of plastic surgery on that bro is fucking scary if you've seen him up close ooh. I, I've I often just, wondered. I just, burned, I just burned like ten bridges right there. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> I've often wondered why he's still in the band, and I I can't come up with. Oh, that. I know. I, I already know, I know the reason. I mean, I'm not supposed to say this, but he is he's the rich one who funded the band in the beginning. Oh. He's with rich parents. And he was like, oh, this is really cool. We get to have like a nice bus and gear. I shouldn't have said that. That's all allegedly. That's all. Allegedly. <laughs> That's what I know from when I used to work in the. So I industry. didn't even know that. That is yeah. very. Okay. That is a very interesting alleged That's, statement. That's why. That's why he is allegedly still in the band. That's mm. how you get to be a bassist when you don't know how to play bass. You have your parents have money. All right. Um. Let's move on though. So Blackville Brides and Asking Alexandria announced a co-headlining tour with Crown the Empire opening. This is uh This is a story. Um, my question here is who is actually the headliner? Um, I noticed most sites ran with Black Veil in front of Asking Alexandria in their headlines, but I wonder who really is going to be the headliner and who's going to draw the most and who's going to have the most hype right now. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of feeling asking right now, you know, just with the return of Danny touring the U.S., Black Veil's on the downslope. Like, does asking draw more kids to this show? I'd absolutely say that asking, it's it's like not even a question that asking should be headlining this, but it's branded as a co-headliner and BVB are on the top and there's no, like hell would have to freeze over for for Andy Beersack to let Asking Alexandria headline any of these dates. That dude's ego is bigger than the fucking Louisiana Purchase, man. I mean, but, there's there's no way he steps down. I You know, though, I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of hype with Danny back in the band. The new single got a really big, really good response. It's already over, like, 2 million views on YouTube and shit. And I feel like I could just see old asking kids, you know, like me and you, who were listening to Stand Up and Scream the other day. I could just see this being a big tour for asking. Whereas BVB, it's fucking fading, man. It's I- done. It absolutely is for BVB. We could we could we could see asking just take control of this tour by brute force if nothing else. I just they're they're really banking on 2012 kids showing out in 2018, man. I don't think it's a good move for Ask Alexandria to to be here. They can't grow. They, I, that's what I'm saying is I don't like I don't think I think people are just coming to see asking. Like I don't think BVB even matter in the equation. Like, I think this is just going to be a, the U.S.'s first full chance to see Asking back with Danny. But shouldn't Asking be out with a band that they could grow with? Like, they just, their last tour that they went on, they headlined. What, you're going to headline two tours in a row? Yeah, it just seems like with the new music out, it's the time for them to come do this in the U.S. Oh, man. I'm hoping this is like, I'm hoping it's just a step for, like, like a like a mini step for them to get in the I mean, position the, to open for five finger death punch the, for the, the signaling and the move here is to remind the scene we exist. Like, what's the seniest scene band? Oh, Blackfell. Okay, let's start with Blackfell. Just to remind the scene, like, yo, we here. But they don't. That's the thing. That, that's though. what the move is here. Sure, but that's the thing. Like, we we've talked about on the show all the time. All bands are abandoning the scene because there's nothing left here. So but that you don't. If you want to abandon the scene, you don't tour with Blackfell Brides. <laughs> they want some element of the scene to follow them. Uh, 
I just don't think it's a good move for asking. I think they need to be they need to be opening for for a band who has radio success right now. I don't think it's the right move for them. I just I think it's going to work out for them despite themselves. So venues, the Chicago yeah. date is a twenty five hundred cap. The New York date's a three thousand cap. The, yeah. The the Colorado date's a thirty four hundred cap. We're seeing generally within one thousand cap House of Bluesy to three thousand cap. In bigger markets like New York and shit, you're seeing one to three thousand, I'd say, on average. Right. So, do you think they could sell it out? That you know, when you think about both these bands in their prime, those sound like small venues for these two in bands there, together. In 2012. But now, yeah, but now, you know, asking, I don't know what the asking crowd is going to be like right now. Um, with Danny back in the band and the big single, I just don't know. So that one's harder to gauge. Blackfell, obviously, like big decrease there like they're gonna struggle to fill these rooms absolutely i'm not so sure about asking so yeah i mean it kind of makes sense i guess that they are in a downsized situation um i guess good for crown the empire right i mean that band's fucking over they might as well not even play right like let's (laughs) sit in the crowd just sit in the crowd and get drunk and this is the last time they'll ever play to these kind of crowds if they if the two can draw together I read news stories that like didn't even mention them that <laughs> Empire were part of this tour. Like nobody I'm, cares. I'm Everybody knows sure. that band is done. Yeah, dude. I'm same. I've I wrote I read a couple stories where it was just like, oh, Crown the Empire is playing and like small oh, yeah. print at the bottom. <laughs> hey, uh, shouts to uh, the Tabernacle, uh, a venue on this tour where uh, Panic the Disco Panic at the Disco cracked the theater floor open. Oh, you remember and, that? Uh, yeah. And Let Live got kicked out. So uh, shouts to them and thanks for still accepting scene bands into your venue after all that shit. <laughs> wow. Yeah, dude. Right? I forgot about when the floor collapsed Atlanta. for Panic. I remember yeah. the Let Live story, but yeah. that's crazy. Good stuff. All yeah. right. Um, well, let's move on um, to our next story, which is that... Uh, Gerard Way and Frank Iero of My Chemical Romance were spotted together in Leeds, UK. I mean, it doesn't really matter where these two are spotted together, does it? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? They could be anywhere. And it's Gerard and Frank of MCR. So this, you know, always gets people hyped and sort of brings up that question of like, are they just hanging out? Are they talking about MCR? What did you take away from this, Tyler Sharp? They're friends. So what if they go out together in public? We've we've established, Matt, on this show that My Chemical Romance is never going to reunite. But. I get it because if I was at AP, this is like easy story. So so the websites want traffic, so they're going to permeate this narrative. Of course it's going to happen. But there's there's no fucking way. There is no but here, Matt. (laughs) There is no but. But. (laughs) No. But. No, I, I, I agree with you, actually. And, like, Gerard Way going full Hobbit woodland elf Dude, thing in these pictures, is like, the is grid, not helping. Man. Like, he did, if like he looked about, like, the least interested in My Chemical Romance of any man on the planet. You know what I mean? Like, he, the way he was looking. If you just, went up to him at that point, he'd be like, what's My Chemical Romance? That's what it looked like, you know? Um, it, it just looks like Gerard is so far off the grid that, he, you know, he's not even focusing on his solo music at this point, man. It's all about his Netflix show that he got picked up and comic books, man. It, it, my Chemical Romance aren't getting back together. They're friends. Let them be friends. Let them be human beings. You know, like just it, it's okay. It's okay to let people just be for a while. Yeah, he de- and if he if MCR were to come back, he can't come back looking like that. <laughs> I think I, I, I think I saw some gray hairs. Dude, that, that was a little sad. It was, man, everyone not, ages. Like, that's a norm- Come on. Yeah, no, I know. But that's like watching my fucking childhood age. That's sad. You know, it's, it's going like, to happen sooner or he's later. He's supposed man. to stay the Helena video guy forever. You know, that that was that was the deal. That's what I signed up for. That you was know? the deal, he says. That I signed it in blood. Who did you sign that for? I signed that deal in blood. I'm going to I'm going to back you. You're always going to be this fucking emo warrior. In his defense, he's held the baby face for for longer than pretty much anyone, you know, like his only competitor is Billy Joe. I'd yeah, say. Yeah, but my, man, my man's looking like Gandalf now, and it's getting hard <laughs> to deal with. I think um, if, if they cleaned him up, he, he'd still have his baby face. All right, so yeah, G-Way also 
uh, in some interview, he talked about uh, 21 Pilots, which I thought was really interesting. Because I think, I correct me if I'm wrong, is, is this the first time we've heard Gerard Way, Gerard Way talk about 21 Pilots or address them? I would say so. It's about yeah. time that they address the connection. Yeah, it is very interesting. These two bands, um, the Skeleton Click and the MC Army, share a very big connection, as do the bands and all their fans. Um, Gerard Way was talking about 21 Pilots and their excellent cover of MCR's Cancer. He said, uh, quote, it was great. I was really impressed. I don't know what to I didn't know what to expect. And I was surprised by what I heard because there's a bit of rejuggling of parts. And I was like, wow, this almost sounds like a remix, but it's a cover by way of this kind of rearrangement. And I was really impressed with it. I like the band anyway. I like the sound of that band. I think what they do is really interesting. So I was psyched to hear that cover so how do you react to that tyler pretty interesting to hear gerard like so into 21 it's cool to see it but there's there's no way gerard way is gonna come out in 2017 and say 21 pilots sucks ass man like that's the worst band ever fuck them for covering our song it's just not gonna happen you just woke up like my inner editor that's been dead beneath the surface for (laughs) years and got a tingling tingles went through my body of like oh my god tyler sharp just said the perfect news story ever it's not gonna happen as much as you and i would you know do some things to get that headline <laughs> I, I would i would yeah man where you get the neg from though man this is a positive story this is, is just a good story sure, where, where you bringing up all that negative energy for i i don't know it's the inner cynic in me coming out man it's just this whole industry is <laughs> a pile this, of shit you think he's being fake as fuck here or what i could see him not liking it but he'd never say right. that that's the thing though is i could see gerard not liking 21 too like, I, it's just, you know, it's pop music. Exactly. Pop like, he's, he, I, I don't know. Dude's a punk. Dude's like a real, you know, he's real into, like, real punk. Like, right. If he wasn't asked, you know, if he wasn't asked, he'd never comment on 21 Pilots, I don't think. I, so, I mean, his quote, I, his quote, I think what they do is really interesting, is about the most cliche quote, you know, you can say about another band. That's but, what um, you say when you haven't listened to them. <laughs> 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 that's how you, and you know he's been trained by for for media questions and stuff like that this okay. is how you get through an interview to soldier on and plug your comic books and all that other shit but i will say i will so, go ahead and be that guy and say i like the 21 pilots cover better than the original oh really okay so yeah i'm reading through the quote and um i guess he says i was really impressed by the cover so that's about the most praise he gives to it um, he's obviously he says not going to say I'm really disappointed. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he says I didn't know what to expect. I wonder what he means by that. You know, like he probably maybe he still doesn't know what to expect because he hasn't listened to it yet. I wonder if he hadn't heard them or if like <laughs> he had heard Vessel and not liked it, you know, and was kind of not sure about this one. But yeah, it's just really interesting just to um, pull Gerard Way into the skeleton click universe, like whether he wanted to be or not. You know, gravity has sort of just pulled him in. I guess. Shout out to Pop Buzz. Oh, yeah. Pop Buzz uh, got this interview. Asking the real questions. Oh, yeah. Uh, Let's move on to our next story, which is Panic at the Disco. So, guitarist for the band Dallin Weeks addressed some rumors recently of animosity between him and Brendan Urie in a recent interview with Alternative Press. Um, I'm just going to read straight from the Alternative Press article. He says, uh, okay, with all the secretive hype around this mysterious duo, there have come a strange amount of fan accounts on absurd topics and even absurd rumors surrounding possible animosity between any and all ex-members of Panic. But let's stop the train right here and let everyone know that there's officially no beef between Weeks and anyone. I owe a lot to Panic, Weeks says. It's been the best and longest job I've ever had. Whatever happens with that camp in the future, whenever they need me or want me to be there, I absolutely will be. So what did you take away from this, Tyler Sharp? Pretty interesting story here coming from the Panic camp. He's an employee of the band. It's not yeah. like he's an equal to Brendan Urie. Brendan Urie is the, is the alpha in that situation in Panic's world. And Dallin is not going to go out in an interview and on a campaign cycle for whatever his sh- solo shit is and talk shit about his employer. 
it's it's this con it's the concept of any worker versus employer. You just don't do it. It's not a smart business move. So this is not I don't take this as an adequate answer. I think he's just being smart about it. Like you're just not gonna say, Yeah, we butt heads behind the scenes if they do. You, Who knows? Do you think you think he's actually pissed off? Maybe not to the fullest extent of like a vitriol conversation, I hate you, I hope you die kind of thing. But I think people get on people's nerves and I think that's what has happened there. So I think they just like have space, you know? I don't think it's a big deal, but I think there's more than he's ever going to let on. What's interesting to me is like I sort of read between the lines here and I see the quote that sticks out to me the most is he says, whatever happens with that camp in the future whenever they need me or want me to be there, I absolutely will be. He says that camp, like, yo, I'm not, I'm not part of that camp anymore. And that's making me think he's, he's out of the band. Well, that's how they've, uh, that's how every panic instrumentalist has talked about the band though. Mm. That it's Brendan Urie's world. They're just living. Yeah. In it. Not Dallin though. Dallin was a really big part of it. And you really can't write Dallin off. I mean, he became a fan favorite. Um, he's been in the band so long, and I think that that has a lot to do with it. He's sort of, you know, like the Vices and Virtues days. I think that's when he showed up. You know, you can go back and watch him play with the band when they do Mona Lisa and their awkward comeback performance on uh, Conan. <laughs> and part of Dallin's appeal was that, like, he brought that old panic aesthetic back. Mm -hmm. You know, that look. He had the look. And that mm -hmm. was really fucking important. He looked good with a goofy guitar and a puffy shirt. And, um, you know, at the time when they put out Vice and, Vices and Virtues, Panic were really trying to be like, we are I Write Sins Again. Right. We are that band. We That's have the that look. Song we're steampunk. We are back. We're just like that. And Down sort of fit that mold really well. So he was hired as a touring instrument, you know, a touring musician. But he really sort of developed his own fan base and just people saw him so much. He just sort of, he became, Oh yeah, it's down. He's part of the band. Mm -hmm. So I just, I don't think you can write him off as just a touring member, even though, you know, legally he, he is, it's, it's tough. I see why it's tough for fans in this case. I just think the legal aspect comes into it. He's just, he's never going to say anything. So we're never going to truly know unless it comes to a point where he, even if he leaves, I think at, at that level, it just has to, it's just going to be cordial for the press. You don't think we're ever going to know if he's out of Panic at the Disco or not? Uh, no, I think we'll know if he is, but it's never going to be like, fuck Brendan Urie. I yeah. think it's just going to be, I, you know, we, we cordially, amicably parted ways if it ever happens. I agree with you. I just, I mean, I just wonder, like, taking from that quote, I wonder, like, is he out of the band or not? I don't think he is right now. That reads to me just the way he he's talking about them as like a distant entity, you know, but he says whenever they need me, they can call me and I'll be right there. And this is the first time since Vices before Vices that he hasn't been there. He's been with this band the whole way. How since much then. how much uh, is down? He's been involved? on every tour. He's been on he's been on albums. I mean, he's been with the band sure, for sure. I mean, since at this point. I want to say since 2009. So nonstop, he's been with the band. You know what I mean? So for him to be acting like all of a sudden he's not part of it, that's weird. How much is he involved in the writing process of Al of Panic Music? I I'm not sure. I'd have to look through the credits. I, did, I, I don't think I don't... he's a songwriter ever. But I mean, right. I'm sure he does studio sessions. But he's with the band touring, you know. Sure, yeah. He's been he's doing it for the last, since 2009. He's a, he's a touring musician that has become a somewhat uh, consistent piece of the ever-moving puzzle that is Panic at the Disco. But at the end of the day, he's still a hired hand, and Brendan can do whatever he wants with him, basically. So if he is out, we will, f we will find out. Um, if there's tension, I don't know if we'll ever know the full story, because we usually never know the full story of any tension between any band members. So uh, let's move on, and let's hit our pop story this week um the dominant pop story this week has been cardi b who overtook taylor swift and knocked her out of the number one spot on the pop charts and her new song bodak yellow has stomped out look what you made me do 
Um, it's been pretty much what everyone's talking about this week. Um, Bodak Yellow is kind of an undeniable banger, but first I'm going to turn to uh, T-Sharp. Uh, what are your thoughts on Bodak Yellow and just sort of Taylor Swift in general? I guess let, let's let's start with Bodak Yellow. We'll okay. get into Taylor and her fall a little later. Okay, so yeah, Bodak Yellow. I did. It took me a while to get this song, and it actually didn't happen until this past week where I finally got it. Um, when, when it first came out and I first heard it, I was just like, it wasn't clicking for me at all, which is weird because I'm usually the bigger songs in SoundCloud rap I can get into and I kind of understand where it's coming from. And it took me a minute here, but I finally sat down and really dissected the song and I totally get it. And they're, they re-released it, another version of it with Kodak Black. And I even like that one more than the original, um, Kodak's that that's Kodak's best moment so far best recorded moment he actually he sounds like a rapper on this song um Cardi <laughs> absolutely destroys it this is and it it's just the momentum that it has is unreal right now and did you think this would be the story going into the fall you know no. this Cardi B this Instagram Instagram rapper came out of nowhere and now this is the story of the fall pop music i did not see it coming at all i did not think this song was gonna get as near as much as momentum as it has right now you know like it's just rolling man it seems like every week it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it's just becoming more and more undeniable yeah i really like this song you know it's it's interesting because like you you brought up the kodak black remix and we have a meeting of two worlds here we have cardi b who is instagram rap and kodak black who is soundcloud rap right um it's like is it have we already moved on to this next (laughs) you know quicker speedier millennial or generation of of new rap and uh it's kind of crazy but yeah bodak yellow is just this absolute you know club banger it is a uh stomper you know and um it's so that's dark. the reason i think yeah it's dark and it, you know it's a street track it's a hood track and um its own it's controlling the clubs right now and i think that you know has a lot to do with it it's controlling spotify and that's why i said i think you know post malone is gonna have to settle for a second even though he released an excellent single that is rockstar that's gonna own the clubs i think bodak yellow is number one i think it's king king of the clubs for the fall and uh you saw like uh taylor swift actually sent her flowers uh, for knocking her off the chart did you see that i did good pr move on taylor's class on taylor's part i thought that was a very classy move by taylor if not a little off brand because aren't we doing (laughs) this like we're doing this like vengeful spiteful taylor so might have made things a little more interesting maybe if we got some of that look what you made me do taylor sort of but uh rihanna also sent her makeup did you see that i didn't see that part um a little weird because it was rihanna's own makeup like her makeup brand so <laughs> she it's was just like, plugging it yeah, yeah it's kind of like trying to get the plug out there because you know she you know cardi's gonna post if she gets a gift from rihanna for so sure like easy plug but what was interesting was that Nicki minaj sent congratulations and um that was important because there was sort of this manufactured beef cardi is kind of was perceived to have been sliding into Nicki Minaj's lane in a way, if you know what I'm saying, as the new, you know, hot female MC. And Nicki, let's face it, she's she's kind of fallen off. It was uh, interesting to see Nicki squash any sort of rumors of beef and, uh, you know, just congratulate her for the good song. And hopefully, you know, Nicki comes back swinging with even better music. Hopefully this motivates Nicki. Like, there's no reason this isn't Nicki's song, in my opinion. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying moving forward. I mean, it's time for Nicki to really step up and do something special because she hasn't done anything since, like, in my opinion, since Super Bass. I mean, that first album from Nicki was pretty undeniable, and that was just a really special time. But since then, there hasn't been anything that she's really come out and stomped on except for that ariana feature which really you know yeah. kind of it's, it's sort of reestablished her since the anaconda era it's been all downhill for nikki Absolutely. It, it, it got so gimmicky at that point whereas roman you know and um Vavoom and um starship and uh, pound the alarm and uh, super bass all those songs were so special and she was just firing all cylinders and since the Anaconda thing, it just felt like very gimmicky. And yeah, the RE feature, like you said, on Side to Side is cool, but it's not necessarily like showing off peak Nikki. Right. So, not at all. 
Cardi B is sort of slid into her lane. But, um, you know, we could talk about Nicki Minaj all day. (laughs) But what's more interesting to me is Taylor Swift. Uh, What happened to our girl, Tyler? Like, what is going on with Taylor Swift? Going into the fall, like, you know, I asked you. Would you have thought Cardi B would be the biggest story? You, I, I think any logical person would have said no. The new Absolutely Taylor Swift not. album would be the biggest story of the fall. Yep. And it's not. What's going on? How do you interpret this? This is a new era. This is not Taylor's world anymore. And we're just living in it. You know, that's how it was all the way through 1989. Now she has new music coming out. And the industry has changed a lot since 1989 came out. And we just have this new generation of artists that don't necessarily need a label to get massive anymore you know we have the soundcloud rappers and now we're getting cardi b and instagram rap so i think there's a lot happening in you know pop music in general and hip-hop and and rap that is taking taylor kind of by surprise right now you know judging by taylor's new songs her and her team and her songwriters realize what's happening but she just made the about face turn to pop music. And mm-hmm. especially with look, look What You Made Me Do, you could tell they were going for that dark SoundCloud rap, you know, trappy hi-hats and, and super low end on that track. And they were going for that sound. And uh, they're, I don't think they can make that move. I don't yeah. think Taylor can fully make that move. And, and it, Cardi it's, just owned her with this song. It's shown. I mean, Taylor goes for that sort of like Disney villain mode on look what you made me do. And it's just not doing that well on radio. Last time I checked, it's only at number four on radio. And that's for Taylor Swift's lead single. I just can't understand. You can't overstate how bad that is. She should be number one on radio. You should not be able to avoid her. Right now, she's getting beat by the two lesser members of One Direction, Horan and Paint. Those two bros got two singles that are beating her and Charlie Puth. Who the fuck is Charlie Puth and why is he beating Taylor Swift? I mean, I know who he is, but you know what I mean when I say who the fuck is he? Like, he doesn't matter. And also Shawn Mendes with that uh, Nothing Hold Me Back song, he's crushing Taylor Swift. Like, he might not be technically number one right now, but I think in a week or two we're going to see that he's actually number one on radio. And uh, not just with uh, Look What You Made Me Do, but also Are You Ready For It? That song just fell flat it didn't have near as much momentum as the first one yeah and i and i love that chorus what a wasted i I know man like i still enjoy those songs but they just can't compete right now because the industry has changed so much and there's these new generation of artists that are killing it in a new way and taylor can't keep up are we gonna see a taylor swift debut around 800 900k are you Man. are we moving into that territory like is this you know not getting the traction i know it's it's gonna be interesting to see it it just all depends on how their little uh sadistic formula of ticket sales and all that stuff goes down but uh i could see a drop here i could definitely see them seeing a drop because it's not ha- i mean these songs aren't sticking the way they were expecting them to you know, and the, when when Look What You Made Me Do first dropped, I was like, I didn't like the song. So I was like, maybe there will be a drop in sales for Taylor, but I wasn't sure. And now just sort of seeing this climate and how it's fall and Taylor is not the biggest story. I'm starting to feel like you're right. Like the, the, I could see a drop as well. This might, you know, be a plateauing or a decline of sorts for Taylor, but we will have to see. Any other thoughts on T-Swift and Cardi B? Tyler Sharp, so. other than the fact that Bodak Yellow is a fucking jam and you need to cop that and get those red bottoms and dance to it absolutely bang this at the club this fall because this is this is the song for the fall for sure it's a special moment for sure it's a special moment for rap music all right so let's move on to our next story which is uh two bands can't swim and movements uh both bands release new songs and uh tyler and i are going to talk about which song we think is better you know, the reason we're doing this is uh, Can't Swim are on Pure Noise, Movements are on Fearless, and these are sort of two new, like, buzzy, emo, pop-punkish bands with, like, small followings, but a lot of hype. So um, I kind of want to just have us compare and contrast and, like, which one are we going to back of these two bands? Um, sure. So Movements put out a song called Colorblind. They actually got a premiere with Billboard, which is pretty impressive for a... Uh, smaller band um even though they've had some hype and can't swim dropped a song called god awful 
So where are you with these two bands and these two songs, Tyler? So I've been keeping an eye on both of these bands recently. Um, I've noticed hype in in each of their worlds, and I wasn't sure which, you know. I still don't think overall either of these bands have that one song that could really, really catapult them and is really that uh, an undeniable song. But these two songs, I, I actually enjoy both of them in their own worlds. Um, we'll talk about the movement one. First, this is like a pop punk version of early being as an ocean to me. Mm-hmm. And I haven't liked anything uh, from movements until this song. It gives me like youth, like like citizen youth era meets early balance and composure meets melodic hardcore vibes. Um, I, I really like this song. I think the chorus is is good like it's solid um i the melodic hardcore aspect of the song kind of feels out of place but at the same rate that's what separates them right now from just being a citizen an early citizen rip or a balance and composure rip um i'm at a 7.3 out of 10 with that one and okay. on the can't swim track you know like can't swim is like this weird kind of blend of low-end pop punk meets post-hardcore kind of and i i feel like i could really love this band if they just they're missing like a spark here um we won't sleep which was the big song off their full length uh is a great song i think that that's a really solid track but like i said there's just something missing with this band overall and this song but i'm looking forward to seeing their progression and i'm at like a seven out of ten with this new song so movements the movements track wins out for you it, over the can't swim song barely but i enjoy both of them yes okay so if you had to pick one one of these bands to back right now i'd pick movements okay for me um i listen to both songs movements colorblind to me you know i heard a lot of potential there um especially vocally the dude's a good vocalist and i mm-hmm. think he kind of knows what he what he's doing but uh the song kind of fell flat for me it's okay um and i see a lot of potential but it just it just kind of doesn't get me there i'm at about a 6.9 out of 10 with that song right now you know like 7 out of 10 would be a would be a a really good song Mm -hmm. i'm just right below that like they just need i don't know what it is if it's an instrumental tightness or there's just something i need to sort of further cement them as a good band to me and you see you know fearless are pushing them like they realize this is their emo band like this is their kind of cred emo thing they have right is i mean is this the only band like this they have really that they can you know cash in on the current wave basically i mean that's why it's good to compare both of these bands because there's two very young bands that could potentially have bigger (laughs) futures than everyone else yeah so that i mean that that's kind of where i am with the song it kind of reminds me of like balance and composure when they got not as good though like when they got bad um, but uh, I see more potential here for movements than I do than late stage balance. Yeah. So on the on the can't swim got awful. Um, I well first I accidentally played Lil Pump's Flex Like Ooh first, so that really <laughs> fucking threw me off going into this. I didn't realize I hit the wrong Spotify button. Oh no! And, uh, I really uh, I loved this song when I heard it, man. Especially um, the first verse. I got like, did you get Mark Hoppus vibes? I got really hoppus vibes from uh, that first verse. I don't know what they were doing there, but it was uh, it was working for me. And um, this band kind of reminds me of Balance and Composure when they were good. Um, <laughs> you remember early Balance? How and and like let's let's all admit guilt. We were all here. Early Balance and Composure. All us motherfuckers on Twitter and in music journalism were like, "This is this is the next brand new." The like, next we were all brand new, man. It. We were yep. all kind of whispering it, you know. And uh, the first time you heard Quake, you just there was some tingling feeling you got that it was like, oh, shit. I sent some texts like I was like, (laughs) there's a new brand in town. I did it, you know, and other people I know in the industry, we were all talking about, you know, everybody. We don't like to admit it now, but, you know, here at Note to Scene, we like to be honest with you. And we will admit that, yes, there was a time where we thought balance and composure were the next brand new. So this band kind of reminds me of early balance. They got this good mix of melody, grit, and emo, and it's done right. And some of these lyrics just like really fucking got me on this song. Like in the chorus, he says, do your best to forget me. That's just a great emo chorus line. Um, sure. Some other gut-wrenching lyrics. He said, at the end, he's kind of just echoing, um, it's time for me to go and you won't see me. 
And oof, that just really stuck with me. So yeah, if you can't tell, obviously the Can't Swim song wins out for me over movements. I back Can't Swim over movements, but I still do see the potential movements. Um, mm-hmm. I would just like to see them tighten up their songwriting. Interesting, comparing them on Spotify, movements have 70,000 monthly listeners and Can't Swim have 83,000 monthly listeners. Oh, really? That is yes. interesting. Other interesting, comparing on YouTube, this new movement song has 35,000 views. The Can't Swim song only has 9,000 views. See, that makes so, more sense to me. And the thing, though, you got to think about is the movements one is a music video. And the Can't this Swim is one is just a track. So, And also, movements got blasted on billboards. So that could kind of maybe even the scales a little with these YouTube views. But that was just an interesting point I wanted to bring up. Um, and I think with the Spotify thing, movements don't have a full length out yet. So mm-hmm. I think Can't Gotta Swim them. ultimately just have more tracks to listen yeah. to. So I think that has to be taken into consideration. I feel too. like movements have more hype at the moment. I do I too. I do too. That's why that that stat is really interesting. But maybe movements, you know, fearless just isn't pushing the Spotify thing for whatever reason. But we know how labels can be behind on shit. <laughs> yep. Um, um, anything else you have to add on this one, Tyler? I don't think so. I'm excited to watch both bands. I, you know, we we talked about movements briefly, uh, and during our Warp Tour episodes, you know, bands mm-hmm. to look forward to and. Ultimately, I was just more like movements don't matter. Knocked loose all the way. They're going to be the band that owns the summer, and uh, they did. You Which know? they did. They but, did. But knocked but. loose. Their, their vocalists, Brian and uh, Movements vocalists, they became good friends over the summer. Whereas knocked loose owned the summer. Movements came out of the summer with some momentum, absolutely. like undeniably. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And, and, I think... and their singer has kind of become a personality on Twitter. You know, he's getting a lot of attention and retweets, and the hype is there. It doesn't hurt that he had a tweet go viral, like absolutely viral two days before they dropped the song and announced the album. (laughs) All right. Well, that is it for the show this week. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions for us, you can write in to note2cnetgmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes or just leave us a star rating. Just leave us those five stars. Hook us up. We will love you for that. It helps the show get discovered and reach more people. And that's what people need. They need to hear more of me and Tyler. You know, two dudes (laughs) with opinions. It's a really important thing. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you next week.